So, so we're in chapter four, Shara Bitahon, and Chavot uh, Alavavot is going to discuss now how to apply Bitahon when living among family and friends. And for someone who lives with family and friends like us, which most of us relate to, the focus of Bitahon is really on being able to fulfill his responsibilities toward them and have a positive interaction with them, right? It's about how do I live well with the people that I'm, that I'm surrounded by. Right? If one with Bitahon and Hashem has a wife and relatives and friends and enemies, and, and, and that's the order he's going to go in. He's going to talk about how Bitahon's applied with family, how it's applied with friends, and then, you know, God forbid, enemies and, and adversaries, which unfortunately is a reality of life. He should rely on Hashem to be spared from becoming overly burdened by them, right? Because when you have a family to support, when you have adversaries or competitors to, ha- to unfortunately have to think about, it could burden your mind, it could be heavy, it's, it's exhausting. He's saying you should rely on Hashem to take care of the burden, give it to Hashem. Now, while relying on Hashem, what do we learn in every chapter? You have to do Yishtadlut, right? But he should do his best to discharge his obligations toward them, right? Let's say his wife and his relatives. And fulfill their additional desires. So not only should he make an effort to supply them with their needs to support his family, but he should try to give them extras. He should try to give them a good life. He should try to give them a little above and beyond just the minimum obligation. And he should be sincere with them. Whatever he should do, he should do with a full heart. He shouldn't uh, do it with regret. He should do it with grace. And he should avoid causing them any harm, physically or emotionally. And he should look to bring about anything that would benefit them. And he should be dependable in all their affairs. So, he should be reliable. His, his family, his wife, his children, they should be able to rely on him. He should be consistent in, 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 being, in being there for him. So, Chavot Avot is really emphasizing that a husband and a father who supplies his family's needs really shouldn't just do the minimum, right? He should provide for them generously, graciously, and consistently. And Chavot Avot is going to conclude that one should ultimately do all this to also serve Hashem because we're, we're commanded to do it. It's not just to do it because, oh, it's a nice thing to do. It, it brings light in the world because it's what Hashem asked us to do. It's our responsibility. And we're going to learn how family responsibility, in a way, is serving Hashem. Uh, and, and this is after we learned what it's like for a person who's alone, right? Who has to serve Hashem and think of Hashem and relate to Hashem in different ways. So since Hashem put a person who's surrounded by family in this situation, he has the duty to carry out his responsibilities in the best way possible. He should be a generous provider, a happy provider, and a reliable provider. He should also teach them the ways of conducting themselves that will bring them benefit, both both spiritually and worldly, right? In worldly matters. So he's also saying we have to be leaders, we can't just support them. We have to teach them, guide them, train them, lead them to live good lives spiritually and physically. And again, this should all be to serve Hashem. As it says, 
You shall love your fellow as you love yourself. And it says you should not hate your brother in your heart. Right? We should not do it for an ulterior motive. So he's applying the commandments of loving others the way you love yourself, right? And not doing unto others what you don't want done to yourself to women and children. Because who do we interact with more than our wives and our children? So when we provide for them and we love them and we, we care for them, we're fulfilling the mitzvah of the Ahav Talarecha Kamocha. And if God forbid we don't, we're breaching the mitzvah of Lo Tisnat Becha. He continues on, he says, Lo Someone should not just provide for his, for his family expecting to get something back just so that they reciprocate. The Lo Kadem Itzlam and not to make them indebted to him. God forbid that, uh, you know, that they owe him something. Nor out of desire for their honor and praise, just to impress his, his, his family. And not to exercise authority over them. He should simply care for his family purely for the sake of fulfilling the word of Hashem. Basically the obligation on a husband to support his wife and children. So we're learning a beautiful concept here that we should really be taking care of our families out of the purity of our mm-hmm. hearts to of course fulfill obligation to Hashem but also not to do, to get honored and to try to get something in return. Oh, if I do this, my wife will take care of me better and if I do this, my kids will respect me. No, it's your obligation to take care of your family. And to keep his covenant and his directive, his meaning Hashem, regarding them, right? Because by, by giving a person, by giving a man, a wife and children, Hashem is sort of making a deal with this person. I'm going to give you a family. You have to uphold your part of the agreement, which is to take care of them. And, and now he's going to talk about the importance of having these kavanot, where it, it's not just about doing the right thing. It's about having the kavanot. If, if one's intention in meeting his family's needs and requests is for the ulterior motives that we mentioned above, God forbid, He's not going to attain his desire from them in this world and he's going to work in vain. Meaning his family is going to actually sense and feel that he's not being authentic, that he's not being sincere, that he's being selfish. So it's actually going to backfire. He's not going to get the honor. They're not going to feel indebted to him. They're not going to respect him. They're not going to care about him. They're not going to get sincere. He's not going to get sincere results from them because Hashem's not going to allow him to obtain these benefits if God forbid he's doing it for the wrong reasons, right? It's very similar to what we learn about learning Torah for the wrong reasons. If God forbid a person learns Torah for honor or if a person learns Torah to be argumentative, right? We learn that the Torah becomes poison in a person like that. They have seed olam haba, and he's also giving up his uh, olam haba because he's not actually fulfilling the mitzvah. But if he actually carries it out purely in the right way in service of Hashem, his family will want to reciprocate, and Hashem will help them repay him in this world. He'll get nachat. He'll he'll get pleasure. And Hashem will put praise in his family's mouth about him and elevate his stature in their eyes. Because again, it's not superficial. If he's authentic and sincere, his family looks up to him. They love him. My father, he works hard. He provides for us. The wife thinks my husband, he works hard. He comes home. He's tired. He doesn't sleep much, but he gives. He wants to give. And he's doing it with a smile, which we all know is very hard. It's very difficult to do this. But the reward is that they will sincerely look up to you. They will sincerely respect you because 
you're putting your heart into it. You're putting your soul into it. And he will get great reward in Olam Abba. Shamar, the way it says, Halim lo Shlomo, in Melachim, when Hashem told Shlomo HaMelech, Furthermore, even that which you did not request, I've granted you even riches and honors, right? Because in the beginning of King Solomon's reign, Hashem appeared to King Solomon and he said, tell me what you want me to give you. And instead of asking for honor or riches, he asked for wisdom. He asked for, for, for an understanding heart, for so that he can lead. King Solomon asked for, for wisdom. So Hashem says, okay, since you requested this thing, I'm going to give you a wise and understanding heart. But even what you don't request, I'm going to give you, which is riches and honor. So we see from here that a person who's responsible for the welfare of others, right? Because why did King Solomon want Chochmah bin Andat? Why do he want wisdom? So he can help others. When, when a person is responsible for the welfare of others and he tries with the pure heart and the right reason to do so, Hashem gives him honor and riches, right? As a, as a result. And that's, and that's what we learn. And that's what we learn from the example of, uh, of King Solomon. And, and uh, we're learning now why he said earlier it's very important to, uh, to have the, uh, the kavanot. And uh, there's another commentary here that I just want to point out, which is interesting, is it's saying also that a man is tested with the burden of supplying for his family as a test to see if the person will, of course, like we said in previous chapters, earn an honest living. But also if he's going to do it with the right attitude, which I have to tell you, this is, this is difficult, right? Can we go to work and, and, and suffer with the, 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 the struggles and challenges of work and come home with a smile on our face and, and, and do it for the sake of our families and for mitzvot? Very hard, very hard. But, but he's saying here, it's one of the, it's one of the tests. So that's, that's the first piece of the way to apply bitahon in social settings, specifically with, with family. Next, bitahon, dealing with friends. So what's the attitude should we have when we're interacting with other people? When we're asking for help from other people or we're interacting with other people? Now let's address the way a person applies bitahon in Hashem. Regarding requests that he makes of other people, whether it's people that are above him, right? In social groups, meaning more hashub, uh, or someone below him, right? Somebody that who has less power. So it's like one example is going to the CEO versus going to the assistant, right? When a person needs help, usually they go to someone above them, right? Someone more capable or influential than him or more powerful that, that can help. Sometimes though, if more capable people are not available, they'll go someone below, right? Someone that can just get the job done or help them or be provide a helping hand or provide labor, right? And the help that the person can... Can 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 provide what he needs. So he's opening this chapter, saying, "How do we how do we live with bitahon in this type of situation when we're trying to appeal to people above us or people below us?" The proper approach for this person the proper approach when the need arises for a person to request something from one who is above him or below him is that he should rely on Hashem regarding the need. And he should consider these people only as a means, as a vehicle, as a vessel, as a messenger of fulfilling the need. So although he's going to ask a person to do something for him, he needs to know Hashem can only, Hashem's the only one that can make it happen. 
And if that person ultimately succeeds in fulfilling my request, it's because Hashem granted it. Hashem, this guy was Hashem's agent in bringing it about. So he gives an analogy. It's like when a farmer designates working the land and sowing it as a means for his livelihood. He says, you know what? I'm going to work the land. If Hashem wants to provide for him from the land, the seed will sprout, right? It'll yield abundant and bountiful crop. But the land isn't owed thanks for this. He's not, the guy's not going to thank the land. The thanks should only go to Hashem. Hashem is ultimately the one who had the results come from the land. And if Hashem does not wish to provide to the person from his land, the land's not going to sprout. Or it's going to sprout, but it's uh, it's not going to be good. Something bad's going to happen to it or something. And in this case, you can't blame the land. The guy can't get mad at the land, right? The same thing, right? When a person makes a request from somebody in society above or below them, one should view the person he asks for help like a farmer views the land, right? He's merely a means that Hashem is going to provide through. And if Hashem wants me to achieve my request, it's going to happen with this person. Even if the person refuses to, hash, to help, Hashem will make it happen. And if Hashem doesn't want it to happen, even if the person offers to do it, he's not going to be able to do it. That's Therefore, in his eyes, the weak person and the strong person should be equal as their ability to fulfill his request. Right? So, so if he has a choice, he should obviously ask the stronger person, right? I mean, you have to do your hishtalut. If you have a weak person and a strong person to get something done for you, pick the strong. But at the end of the day, if the stronger one's not available and the weaker one's also capable, he should feel no less confident with the weaker one than the stronger one. And, and I just want to say something personal, like, this is amazing because you even see that in work and business. Like sometimes we lose resources, employees quit, people move around, projects change, you lost this resource, this asset. And you get nervous. This was a key player. This was a key asset. This and what Havod Havod is basically telling you is wrong. You you could succeed with or without that employee. You could succeed with or without that doctor if you're trying to improve your health. You could succeed. You know, it's like people rely on this doctor. The guy retires. Oh, what am I going to do? My my main salesman quit. Oh, what am I going to do? He's saying, listen. Of course, if you have a great salesman and a bad one, go with this. Go with the great one. But at the end of the day, if you only have the one that the media. Hashem will get it done through whoever he wants to get it done through. And, and I think that's a powerful lesson because I'll speak for myself. I fall victim to this all the time where we're, we're just, we, we can't help it. You see something, oh, I want it, it's qualified. And then, and then you can't, you think that's the only way you could get what you want is through it. And instead he should rely on Hashem in, in fulfilling it. And if his request is fulfilled through one of them, he should just thank Hashem who fulfilled it. And he should thank the, 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 the one who, who requested it, who, exe- who, who sorry, executed the requests. And, and not for the fact that it was even fulfilled, by the way, and 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 but more for the for the for the efforts. So you thank the person for the effort, the messenger for the effort, right? If somebody gives if a poor man gets charity from someone. Should the guy not say thank you to the to the donor? I mean, it's a horrible thing. In fact, there's a halakha that says technically, if the person's an ingrate and he doesn't think you, you can't even give a guy like that because he's considered a fool. But 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 it's saying you can't 
you can't like get on your knees to the donor as if the guy's Hashem providing you everything. No, no, no. Thank you for being the messenger. Thank you for your kind heart. Thank you for choosing the one to give it to me because I know you didn't have to. If you said no, Hashem would have sent it through somebody else. So he's acknowledging that it came from Hashem and he would have got it regardless. Even if this guy said no, he would have got it. But he's thanking the guy because he chose out of the kindness of his heart to be the messenger. And I use this example all the time. It's like Paro. Why was Paro, the Farshim asked, why was Paro punished? If technically the Jews would, dec- it was decreed that the Jews would be slaves. Meaning it was, it was written. Hashem said it had to happen. And Paro said that. I think the Midrash says, Paro said, oh, why, why should I be punished? Hashem declared that they should be slaves. So I'm fulfilling the word of God. And what's the answer? Because he didn't have to. He didn't have to do it. He chose to be the messenger. He chose to be the Rasha Merusha that enslaved the Jews. Now, would they still have been slaves? Yes. But he didn't have to be the one to do it. So it's the same concept, but that's towards the negative. So, so we have to remember that. And, and we have to also be thankful to the person that he was a worthy emissary for Hashem to, to do what he had to do. Because um, again, he, 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 although it came from Hashem, he would not, Hashem would not have let it happen through this person unless the person was worthy. So it's also like a Hazaku Baruch, meaning good for you that it happened through you. Hazaku Baruch to you because Hashem wouldn't have chosen an unworthy messenger to get this done. It's well known that Hashem brings about only good things through Sadiqim to righteous people. And he, he rarely brings about a loss through a Sadiq. He barely result, uh, lets something bad happen from, from the hands of a Sadiq. Benefits brought through one who is meritorious. And harm comes through those who are guilty. And it says in Mishle, No injustice is going to come through a, a righteous person. So if someone benefits through someone else's efforts, that person must have been worthy by Hashem of bringing about that benefit for which he rightly deserves credit. And if it's not fulfilled through the person that we ask for help, we shouldn't blame them. We should just say, okay, it was a lack of effort. Wow. So guys, look what he's doing here. Look how, look how he's telling you to love every Jew and give the benefit of the doubt to every Jew. If the person's successful, you should think, wow, this person, I should praise him because he was a worthy vessel for Hashem to deliver me, deliver me salvation through this person. But if he fails, you shouldn't judge him and blame him and think he's not worthy. It's, he didn't do enough hishtad lut. Amazing. So the guy who succeeds, you're not saying it's his hishtad lut. He's saying he's a worthy vessel. And the guy who fails, you're not saying he's not a worthy vessel. He's saying he didn't do hishtad lut. So it's a beautiful way to look at humanity. It's, a be- it's blameless. It's blameless. And you're only giving credit to Hashem. We should thank Hashem who chose the best outcome in this situation of not fulfilling our, what we're asking for. And we should praise the person that tried to help because he put in the effort. Amazing. And he should act this way with his colleagues. He should act this way with his friends. Anyone who he has business dealings with. And, and his attendants and his partners. So in all cases, he should bear in mind whether they succeed or fail when acting. It's a reflection of Hashem's will. And, uh, and it's all... Uh, and it's all positive. So that's so that's that's about us with our friends. He then concludes here, and then we can end here. The next piece, which it's a cliffhanger, 
He talks about how to have bitachon in dealing with enemies, with adversaries. But we'll do that. We can do that next time. Let's just wrap up the, the situation with friends. So, Chavot Olavot now going to conclude through addressing how a person who lives with bitachon should act when others ask him for assistance, right? So, we just spoke about the situation when we ask others. Now, the question is, what do we do if people ask us? Similarly, if someone who's above us or below us in society makes a request of us, we should try to do it wholeheartedly. We should put sincere effort. We really have to do hishtadlu to fulfill the request. Now, of course, if we have the opportunity to do so, if it's impossible for us to do it, we're not, but if we have the opportunity to do it, we should do it. And, and, and that, of course, the, the person asking is someone who it's proper to apply the effort, meaning it makes sense to, that this person could be asking for this type of a thing and it's proper that you, that you help them. And then after making a sincere effort, right, after doing his ishtadlut, he should rely on Hashem in regards to the fulfillment, right? In the regards of the execution, the performance of the request. And if Hashem fulfills it through him and makes him a conduit for someone else's good, if the person could be a successful messenger, he should thank Hashem for this because again, it's the same concept that, that Hashem allowed him to be a messenger for good. But if he's prevented from doing it and he does not have success carrying it out, he shouldn't blame himself. And rather, he, he exerted himself and he personally put forth his best effort and, and he should just tell his friend that although he wasn't successful, he tried his best and he gave it his all. And, and that will also give comfort to his friend, right? So it's proving to his friend also that since he, he, he made the appropriate effort, he gave it his best, the lack of success was not his fault. It was reflecting Hashem's will. It was reflecting Hashem's wish that his friend wouldn't be helped through him. Um, but again, he has to tell his friend, I tried my best and, 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 and make sure he's clear so his friend doesn't, doesn't assume that he just, you know, God forbid, didn't do his hishtadlut and, and didn't try to, uh, to properly help.